Jai Hindley, left foot forward, leaning against a box draped in a red cloth, other hand on his hip. Like a cycling George Clooney effortlessly trying to sell me the latest Nespresso machine. Lotta Kopecky and Primoz Roglic come next, looking the most regal. Straight backs, slightly upturned noses, they could be characters depicted in an oil painting hanging on the wall of a stately home. The commission paid for with the loot of some now long forgotten atrocity. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Vivid wording. They are the beautiful words of Johnny Long from the Escape Collective. I, uh... (laughs) It's doesn't not a Mills and Boone novel. It could be. Doesn't get paid enough, frankly. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So this is, uh, we're going to talk about this today, a group shot that's not a group shot, basically. It's fantastic. And we've got a, a group of the world's leading cyclists, including our Jump and Jai, mm. uh, with the tuxes on, posing in front of the infamous wind, is it the wind, the wind tunnel? Yes. The actual wind tunnel. Well, the next line is Demi Vollering is next and appears to both be the only one whose hair has been affected by the turbines behind and whose manner most reflects the stated Met Ball theme. <laughs> Remco Avenapool either looks like a father at a wedding watching someone dancing with his daughter who is primed to intervene at any second or one of those men targeted <laughs> social media ads that tells you how you're going to earn $10,000 a month and drive a Lamborghini with only eight hours of work a day. Casper Asgreen is at the same wedding as Remco, but has drunk 17 more beers. Yes, (laughs) accurate, I would say. Uh, So that's the the picture we're describing. There it is there. What about Roglic's pulling his cheeks in? Yeah, he's got the... uh, the Looks good. Do you mean the the butt cheeks? No, the... the, you cheeks. thought he was clenching. <laughs> well, yes. No, he's, he's, it, the, the, the regal pose, as they say, the, the sort of head tilted back a little bit yeah. and the, the sucky, he's, he's eating a sour lolly. Do you reckon it Remco's armed? Do you reckon he's got a pistol in there somewhere? I think maybe he's, you know, trying out for the next succession. I mean, is this the next succession group shot? I do like the description <laughs> for uh, Julian Alaphilippe. Now, this is, of course, the specialised wind tunnel uh, photo that we refer it to. It is, it is. Uh, the name is Alaphilippe. Julian Alaphilippe. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is. But you know what? I think um, yes. what, what I note from this photo is that Demi Vollering looks like she wants to kill someone. <laughs> Just it like she's on the bike. It could be a James Bond uh, photo. I think what's best about this photo is we have so much exciting cycling going on at the moment. Yeah. And this is what I've been giggling about since it came out. I mean, the photo was funny enough, but Johnny Long's descriptions, I think. Oh, vivid. Beautiful. But the best thing about this photo on the Wheelhouse podcast, uh, I I won't say we can exclusively reveal, but we can reveal (laughs) that it wasn't taken in the same place at the same time. It's Photoshop magic. Merxy can illuminate us on this. Uh, This podcast now, Merxy, are Kate and I even in the same location? Well, today you are, yes. It's great, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. It is great. Yeah, they took uh, shots, single shots of everyone and then in Photoshop laid them together. I thought it was exciting that they'd all be together having a chat, talking about the season to come, but no, just yeah. in little hotel rooms. I thought they might have gone and, you know, had a dance. Oh, well, got a little cocktail ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put it on our socials. Check yeah. it out. 
check it out. It's a, a very attractive photo. It's inspired our next uh, promotional photo shoot for the wheelhouse. We'll all check in a room at a Best Western and throw up a green screen and put ourselves in a James Bond movie, basically. I think it sounds excellent. I'm all in. Excellent. <laughs> the centre of the sporting universe is Adelaide at the moment, whether you like it or not, cycling, cricket, um, maybe if you're a tennis fan you prefer Melbourne, but Adelaide is where it's at. Now, so much so that none other than Phil Liggett was on the cricket broadcast on day two of the first test between Australia and the West Indies, explaining the nuances of the two-wheeled science to the likes of Ricky Ponting. Excellent. And Ponter, as he's known, was absolutely captivated by uh, who's let's be honest who's not it's Phil hold on i'm going to i'm going to call a bit of bs here though mm-hmm. because when i grew up at the ais that was in adelaide down at del monte yeah. um and any of my del monte mates listening will know exactly where i'm going with this <laughs> uh, we shared the ais with cricket and uh, we had the likes of ricky ponting sharing the halls with us no way yes i believe Maybe my sister, actually. Somebody has a photo of uh, Ricky Ponting at about 2 o'clock in the morning in red budgie smugglers uh, walking through the hallways. And the photo was taken because they would come home at such late hours and disturb the cyclists who were, you know, very walking the line wanting to get some sleep. Um, Oh, we were also quite young at that stage, to be honest. And uh, anyway, the cricketers moved out. But Ricky Ponting... If he paid attention, should know a fair bit about the cycle. So you reckon he's he's foxing? He's, yeah, he's I reckon feigning. he might think. Yeah, I okay. mean, the only thing Phil Liggett loves more than cycling is birds. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> probably third in line is cricket. Uh, no, no, third in line is the Wheelhouse Cycling Podcast. Fourth, Fourth in, in line, line is, is, is cricket. cricket. Uh, but it is all absolutely all happening at the Tour Down Under. And what I'm loving uh, is the, the international feel of the event. Some of the names that have turned out this year. Not all of them... Uh, let's be honest, not all of them delighting fans with their displays so far. It's, it gets you, it gets you, that Aussie heat and those Aussie inclines. It's not quite the Alps, but hey, it gets you nonetheless. Well, on stage one, it was reported to be about 33, 34 degrees, but at the finish, uh, they said that it was more like, in Tananda, they said it was more like 36 degrees standing around, but they measured the temperature on the road, uh, 50 degrees. 50 degrees. Yeah. 50 degrees. And it's, as a rider, you do you know how much sunscreen you have to put on the back of your legs? It's actually quite difficult to keep the back of your legs from getting burnt. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, obviously sweat. Yes, of in course. In those conditions. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I, I felt for the girls early uh, getting out there and absolutely smashing it in, in ridiculous heat. But mm. it's one of those things. I think if you sign up for the Tour Down Under... You're a fool if you think you're going to be riding in mild 23, partly cloudy Ugh. sort of skies. Never going to happen. happen. No. So hat tip to all of them. And a few have absolutely emerged so far, Catherine. I know that you've been very excited. And I want to give you a, a massive shout out for your coverage. You have been oh. given stage wraps. You can see them on our social media. If you're not up to date, get out there. Uh, there are uh, far worse voices to hear the insight from. Let me tell you, Kate. Jeez, doing a great what an job. intro that is, Joel. Well, I'm trying to say like <laughs> the best possible voice to hear hear it from. Oh, I, uh, I love great. it. I mean, it's been quite fun doing stage raps because trying to fit a stage rap into 90 seconds is exceptionally difficult. Yeah. When you're a talker like I am. Yep. Uh, and learning to be that succinct <laughs> takes a few a few goes. The I'll, top I'll say that. Yes. Yeah. It's upping my skill. They're punchy, 
Yep. They're, they're to time. They are to time. They're to time. Yeah, because the software I use, they just cut me off. Oh, yeah, you can't. It's not like go over or there's yeah, no yeah. cut. Like it will just stop recording. Are you having nightmares going back to your career thinking of the cut, thinking of missing the cut every time? you <laughs> Is that what you compare in your mind? Is that yeah. the parallel? Well, it's like being on the start line and you see the 10-second countdown. Yeah. Can't miss it. Merksy, uh, can you confirm smooth one take wonders for yeah, our stage race? Very good. I do try and keep you to time, but you just ignore me most of the time. Sorry, is someone talking? Uh, anyway, Kate, where were we? Were we talking? <laughs> Only kidding, Merksy. Uh, well, look, Sam Wellsford. So let's talk about Australia's pog. I've gone out there, I've said it. I think you've made the Super comparison. Sam! He's been outstanding. He has been outstanding. He comes off a very solid track background. Before that, rugby. He was a rugby player. A, a, rah, rah, a high school rah-rah boy. Yes. And I think some transferable skills, not just physically, uh, but up, up but between mentally. the years well, as well. I said um, to one of the kids the other day that was watching... Sam Wellsford, you can always see him in the bunch because he's got the broadest set of shoulders. Oh, yeah. It's the easiest way to pick him. I mean, he's quite – they call him old Jet Nagel um, from the press room. He called <laughs> him at Nationals the Wombat. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, I suppose he is quite low to the ground. He's, you know, quite a stocky rider. Looks like he still could be a rugby player, to yeah. be honest. Um, but he's been world champion three times on the track, twice in the team's pursuit – uh, once in the scratch race, we know he's got a really good turn of speed on him. Uh, but what he hasn't really had to date, he was with DSM last year, he's moved to Bora now, is a really great lead out. Mm -hmm. And so it's been this beautiful intersection of Bora desperately needing that big sprinter, the mm -hmm. fast sprinter, the one that they can put all their faith in and know that if they do their job, he'll do his job. And Sam's also needed the faith from a team, uh, the support and also that lead out. Yep. And uh Certainly, yeah, this week. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful lead out um, from Danny Van Poppel. Yep. And when we were watching it, the best thing we saw, very reminiscent of Mark Squared, Cavendish and Renshaw, <laughs> was that Van Poppel still finished in the top 10 and rode over the line with his hands in the air. It I was really it. cool. It was like the winner, you know, like that. That's a good lead out when your lead out man is inside the top 10. Yeah, absolutely. Because then they're... You're protecting them until they just get past you. Yeah, like it was so beautifully done. It was. It was like a textbook. It was like it this really is was. how the ideal version of this goes. It was. Yeah. Hello, Maxie. Sam Bennett wouldn't be too happy with uh, some of the comments around that race. <laughs> Did you, I, Joel? There's been a lot of very funny commentary around it, but uh, he said, <laughs> Danny Van Poppel said, "We have a better Sam." Oh. Sorry, Sam Bennett. We had a better Sam today. Now, he wasn't talking about a better version of Sam Wellsford by any stretch. He wasn't saying this was the best boss. He said, no, no, he's better than the other Sam. No, yeah. Categorically, that's what I'm and saying. But he said he was mates I, with Sam Bennett too. Yeah, like he, he said nothing against the guy. Sam Bennett's, you know, essentially a top bloke. He didn't use those words because yep. he's not Aussie. But yep. give him a few months with Sam Wellsford and he will be, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, he said it's nothing personal. He just didn't have what we needed and it was becoming quite frustrating. And that does then affect personal relationships yeah, okay. because you want, you're so close and you want to be uh, working together. But he has a lot of faith in Sam Wellsford. He said he's only been on the world tour for two years. Um, he can be the next big sprinter. I, I, Big I'm words. interested I love in this, it. Uh, especially with the, you know, we'll get into it, but Caleb uh, struggling a little bit. He's got he's got some reason, but uh, not doing his best. And I have heard more than one commentator say 
have we got a new a new fast man um, in the making as well, which they're is interesting. I think they're different styles of rider. Like Caleb, from my estimation of seeing them both on the track and on the road, uh, Caleb has a bit more explosion and a bit more speed from uh, acceleration. But Sam is so powerful that he holds higher powers for longer mm-hmm. and can go longer and the lead out can go for longer as well. It's a really different kind of sprinter because well, kn- not all sprinters are the same by yep. no means at all. And you have a lot of sprinters like, say, Peter Sagan, who early in his day was considered a sprinter by the end of his career not because mm. those kind of sprinters, like Mark Renshaw is a really good example, they're really quick when they're young, but as they gain experience in years, they tend to slow down. Their power goes up, but they're different kinds of sprinters. Their sprinting profile changes. The pure sprinters like Caleb and Mark Cavendish, their sprinting profile never really changes. Um, and Andre Greipel is another one. They are just so fast. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Wellsford sits a bit in the middle um, where I can see a day where he can still be up there in a classic when it's a pretty whittled down bunch um, because I think he's a lot more than his enormous speed. Wow. Okay, there you go. So this is his uh, elevation. And let's, let's be fair, he's no, as you've pointed out before, he's no slouch and no stranger to success, of course. He's had success at Olympic level as well, world championship level, but we're seeing it come out here on this stage uh, amid, um, among some, as we say, some genuine heavyweights of the sport. It's massive. Well, it's it is massive. massive. His second world to a win and... His first ever World Tour to a lead because yep. he took the Oka jersey. But straight after, he was discussing how what he really wanted from the season was an Olympic gold medal. Once a gold. He's got a silver, he's got a bronze. He is hunting for that gold. So I think he's a really dynamic rider with really big ambitions mm. and, you know, start the debate oh, why is he focusing on the Olympics when he could go to the Tour de France? But you've got to listen to the riders. What motivates them? For him, it's that Olympic gold medal. It's the Olympic gold medal. Mm. Speaking of someone who deserves an Olympic gold medal around their neck, hello, Merxie. Just wanted to say, someone else in that sprint who stood out for mine was uh, Biniam Gourmet. He was coming hard. He Mm. weaved his way through there, had no lead out. If it was 30 metres longer, he would have won that race, I reckon. He would have got home. So fourth, fourth, I believe, in stage one and two for Binium to put him up there in the G- We love Binium. Let's be fair. Yeah. We, we have, you know, I'm not going to say we, we identified him, but we've, we've always been on team. Uh, Binny. Yeah, we really, team really have. Yeah, and it's good to see. And I'm glad you brought that into the conversation, Merksy. Someone who's not uh, delighting fans as much and probably not delighting Patrick Lefebvre as much with his work is Lulu of course Julian Alaphilippe it's like he has been racing in a dinner suit Kate is what they'd say in football Uh, nobody really expected him to be right up the front I mean he might ride into a bit of form and Wollonga he might he might be a bit better but um, the most I've seen of him on the coverage and I will say I've had toilet breaks I haven't been there every single minute of it you haven't seen every stroke Um, that was when he got a flat tyre and on stage one. But, you know, I, I think that it's early season and he's got a big season ahead. He's looking toward the Giro. So, yeah. meh. But it's, you know, the other one is Caleb, of course, because everybody had a lot of anticipation for what Caleb can do. But I think that's m- almost unnecessary pressure because he's got a new team, a new lead out, a group of guys who are exceptional lead out riders and 
what they do, but you need to find that combination. Mm-hmm. And I, it's unrealistic to think that a sprinter can just drop in and it work so perfectly, especially when the lead out riders, a lot of them are younger as well. I think they can work beautifully together and he'll have a lot of wins, but it could take some time and it might just click. But if it doesn't just click, I don't think that we should all of a sudden be saying, Caleb, what's, why isn't he rising? Yeah. Caleb was a little sick too, leading into that. Race. He did yeah. have a couple of ailments, uh, a, 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 a quite a list of, of, of things. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he missed the with. classic because of that. Yeah. Um, and so he has been a little bit unwell. Um, <laughs> just, I'm going to bring back a segment right in the middle here, Joel. Let's do it. A WTF yeah. oh, here UCI. It is. I've been wondering where right? it's been. Because at the Tour Down Under, for the first time since they introduced the regulations about the lever, bar, lever angles. So you it has to be no more than 10 degrees off the natural plane of the handlebars, right? Mm-hmm. And they've had these little machines at the Tour Down Under measuring them and... And do you think, okay, that's great. I mean, whether or not you agree with the rule is a secondary thing. Uh, But what's happening now is that companies are just designing bars that are the proper width at the bottom. So have to be over 35 centimetres, 350 mil. But they're angling in to be narrower at the top so that you don't have to angle your bar. Cheeky buggers. in and it still fits. Yeah. So I guess... Loophole, hello. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like... With the UCI coming out with these rules, it doesn't take long for them to be circumvented yeah. at all. And are we just going to see a continual bounce around rules like this when it comes to comfort and safety? Are they going to have to instill a rule that you can only use one kind of handlebar that has to be one specification only? Yep. The U- I think the UCI did not think this one through. Bring back the old school... Uh, remember the old U-shaped uh, BMX handlebars? Oh, bring them, them back. Like yeah. And, yeah, they were great. They yeah. Were the, ha- the hammer bars, I think. Well, and especially when handlebars now can be 3D printed legally, yep. the sky's the limit in terms of how quickly they can design them. Mercy. Those new aero bars that they just designed, three and a half thousand Australian dollars. Is that it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I said no one. And see, we go, oh my gosh. But realistically... We're talking about guys that earn six million euros a year. Is that really a big deal? Mm. If they're, they're the handlebars that they think they need to compete, M- like more on um, cycling's rich list a little bit later know? in the show, yeah. mind you. There's some in, some uh, un- completely unsurprising revelations around who's making the bucks. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the UCI is you know hard at work at the Tour Down Under measuring sock height. Measuring bars. Your, f- your favourite topic is sock height. I know. But I, I just sometimes think that you say, and look, any governing body, there's mm. a lot to think about, but sometimes it's like not every corner is covered, not every ramification or impact is factored into these these laws, and so they're potentially easy to circumvent. I as think you someone's say. just trying know. to keep their job. Yeah. It's like, what rule can <laughs> I bring in this time? I think they need to have a limitation on the size of those time trial helmets. That's what oh. they need a rule on. Well, the, one of yeah. the new... I did see a, a picture of Filippo Ganna out training, not with an aero helmet on, just a regular helmet, where it now covers his ears. Yeah, like, the ears. Yeah, I saw that. Tucks his little ears in. He's looking more and more like a stormtrooper with every ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's helpful insofar as you don't have to worry about putting sunscreen on your ears. Yeah. Um, but how, how long is it? View. Before we see... 
someone time trialing in this, the Darth Vader helmet. It, well, not long. Not long at all. I not say. long at all. I with say. breather and everything. Yeah, maybe with the. <gasps> yeah, all of it. I didn't do that noise very well, did I? The voice amplifier. Yeah. Can you imagine Somewhere. the post-race chat? You know. <laughs> well, yes. Well, speaking of post-race chats, uh, Merxie and I felt for uh, Scott McGraw yesterday at okay. the end of the stage uh, when he was tasked with interviewing Isaac Del Toro. Yep. We've got to talk about him. He is unbelievably um, proficient, this guy. Uh, but he was so overwhelmed with emotion, literally lost for words. He couldn't find his words, and could he? And Scott tried to ask him a few questions. And the first question, I think he said no five times with excitement, not yeah. like no, go away, but no, no, no. I was so excited. And the next one was a bit like, I have no words. Last season, ugh, no, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, so it's Scott the exhilaration. Yeah, <laughs> I love that Scott knew when when it was time to just put the cue in the rack. You know, with that one. he was he was doing his best, but that win on stage two of the Tour Down Under was unbelievable. The guy's twenty from Mexico, from Baja, mm -hmm. so it just sounds like a nice relaxing. One of the Baja place. men, yes. Uh, and he rides for UAE. He is set to be one of the biggest superstars. He was literally hours into his World Tour career. It's his first this, year riding on the World Tour. This is the thing. This is what the 2024 TDU is doing. Mm. These Grand Tour. And as I say, like Sam, not exactly, you know, fresh off the rack, mm. but uh, doing these beautiful things on the cusp of another big season and making these statements that could go on to be something quite spectacular like who knows where it goes hopefully for sam it's an olympic gold medal of course but yeah. uh, the likes of isaac coming on the other side of fox creek and some of those again those names falling back struggling like you said it wasn't quite lulu's stage but he was i'm done i'm <laughs> out quite early i'm see you guys i'm swinging out of this one he wasn't alone another one to ask you about mm. plappy as well because i think he's been earnest mm. and, and about and up and about he has. well yesterday's um, sorry, stage two of the Tour Down Under, Plappy tried in resplendent in his national championship. Didn't he jersey, look good? Yeah. Um, to give it a crack over <laughs> Fox Creek Hill. And he tried with um, a guy who won from Ineos, um, from Ecuador. He won the Tour Down Under Classic the other day, so he's in good form. Yeah. Jonathan Na Narvez. I hesitated with the name there because in the post race interview, um, Plappy was a bit kinder to Scott McGrory, gave him a few more words, but he just kept saying, I knew it wasn't going to work with Johnny Navarro. <laughs> and <laughs> I did hear let's that, just, yeah. his name is not Johnny Navarro. No. His name is Jonathan Narvez. Yeah. But I just love how so quickly Plappy, you know, ozifies him, gives yeah. him a good Aussie nickname. Yep. So from now on, Johnny Navarro. Navarro. It is. Um, That's outstanding. And he, so he won the classic the other day, uh, and in second and third we had an Eritrean and then Mexican, and that was Del Toro in third. Um, if you look at the cycling history of Ecuador, Mexico, and Eritrea, they are such tiny, tiny cycling yeah. nations. I mean, to the point where Ecuador's only ever had one rider in the Tour de France. Eritrea's had four, Mexico's had three. That's in the history. In the, in the entire, okay. I mean, it, it happens that one of the Mexicans 
uh, in the Tour de France history was the legendary climber Raul Alcala and he won um, a couple of stages. So it was a good Mexican that came before. But what we're talking about with the likes of Del Toro is a generational talent and one of the really big indicators aside from his ripping win – uh, you know, obviously pretty impressive, was that he won the Tour de l'Avenir in 2023, which is the race of the future. Mm-hmm. So it's for under 23s. It hasn't always been like that. It's some. It used to be for amateurs, but it's morphed into that. And winning that is almost the single biggest indicator of future uh, potential mm-hmm. and success. And a couple of the names that have won the Tour de l'Avenir before, Joop Zotemelk, who won the Tour de France in 1980, Greg LeMond, who, of course, won the Tour de France in 86, 89 and 90. Miguel Ingerain, who won the uh, Tour from 92 to 95. Mark Matteo, um, who we know as the now team director. Of course. And he won Roubaix in 91 and 85. Fignon won the Tour de France twice. Quintana won the Giro and the Vuelta. Egan Bernal won the Tour de France. Pogaccio won the Tour de France. Tobias Foss was world time trial champion in Wollongong, you'd remember. Yep. And now Isaac Del Toro. No so pressure. Like that, How's that list? A luminous, luminous huh. list. Hi, hmm. Merxie. Well, Robbie McEwen compared him to Pog, didn't he, on the on Did the hear broadcast. that. He yeah, did. Absolutely. I mean, it's a pretty clear line to draw as well, not least because he's in the same team and he's, Pogaccio is literally his mentor. Mm. It's fantastic. Um, so, look, I'm really excited by this young rider and I think um, even the way he interviewed at the end and he did eventually get a few more words out um, and he just said, it's a bit too much for me. Um, I'll just try and enjoy it, but it's a bit too much. I just didn't expect it. And that kind of humility from a rider who's been chased by teams. Like when you win the Tour de l'Avenir, you are chased mm. literally chased around the car park by agents uh, okay not literally but i like that i like to have that picture You're in not my like head literally running around the car park fending with, them in off his cleats fending elbows no. kicking <laughs> with your cleats yeah no okay, yeah no but and so to still have that humility is oh it's massive sensational my, my question is does that humility remain intact if you do you go big you win something big you continue to win i would like to cite pogacha as someone who's who's confident and mm. loves to loves to eyeball his opponents and tell them that their 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 time is up. Yeah. But still, I think resonates an overall vibe that could be described as being pretty close to humble. Yeah. I uh, think. I think that they've done a really good job in that team of keeping everybody. Yeah. Pretty grounded, yeah. and you never get quotes. You never see social media. You never see anything that makes them seem like a bit of a douche canoe. Yep. They all just seem like pretty cool. Not a bunch of. Uh, I won't say. I won't say the swear word. I'm going to stick with douche canoe. No, that's absolutely correct. I like correct. douche canoe. And um, <laughs> it's. <laughs> uh, last week we were talking, Joel, about um, bike bug that they've just opened a big Colnago uh, warehouse up here in Queensland in Dara that we're going to visit tomorrow as it happens. And uh, so I've been having a little bit of fun looking up all the equipment that UAE use yes. because. Uh, we might get a look at it all tomorrow. And they have, I mean, their equipment is best in, best in field. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they ride Colnago V4Rs, um, but I was even looking at their cool sunglasses um, and their bottle cages, like everything is nailed perfectly. And listen, I was thinking they're not the cheapest bikes in the world. So maybe we could like get together as a syndicate 
And um, I'm going to propose two things. We could either like buy one as a group and then share it. Yeah. And just get a frame that would fit most people. Okay. Yeah. These are for leisure rides. Yeah, absolutely. No, not like shop. a horse racing syndicate where no, you no, buy just into to, a horse. So okay, that we yeah. can all borrow it to pop it against the wall at the coffee shop Fantastic. and put our pictures on social media and if look we, cool. If we doubled our investment, maybe we could yeah. buy a rider to represent us we in could. some GTs. We could. Well, and the other, so my other idea was maybe we could get a bulk discount. I, so yeah. everybody, if they want to DM us, we can see, you know, DM us with your frame size and order. And maybe we can, you know, knock them down a bit more from the wheelhouse discount we get, which is wheelhouse. Pop that code in. 10% right yeah. there. Maybe Every little could, bit counts. Maybe we could talk them up to 12% for a bulk. Dare <laughs> I be bold I and know. suggest 12 and a half because it feels Ooh. like a neat economic figure. There you go. Okay. First I really 10 like orders it. in. You've heard of timeshare, <laughs> but the wheelhouse has just introduced bike share. Get yep. on board. And don't forget bikebug.com, 10%. That code is Wheelhouse and some wonderful deals on offer. Uh, and we, I, I love the – we're hearing some feedback for those that have taken advantage of that, that they are absolutely loving it. It was obviously around at Christmas, but coming into the new year, two or down under time, everyone's thinking about kit, and it's this is a great opportunity to take advantage of it. So please do so. And, uh, of course, that uh, new showroom at Dara – which is currently being fraudulently showcased in the Boy Who uh, Boy Swallows Universe Netflix series. Oh yeah! Uh, they didn't shoot in Dara. They shot in Chelmer, but it's made to look like 1980s oh, Dara. Oh yeah! Just a beautiful part of Brisbane, and made even more beautiful by the presence of a cold Nargo showroom. So thank you, Bike Bug. Yeah, I'll um I'll make a little picture reel. Oh please do. <laughs> Merksy's in the back going. <laughs> so much time in the industry, and she calls it a picture reel. What do you think? I'm Mer working on it. Merksy, a picture <laughs> reel. Oh my goodness! I just wanted to show you something. It's it's a funny photo of him. I'm going to try this. It's of um, Del Toro, but someone okay. photoshopped and look at him. <laughs> oh, a bull! Yeah, he's powerful as a bull. They put a bull Bull's with a helmet head. on his head. That's, That's fantastic. Yeah, look one look. That's what I'm doing back here, just looking at Instagram. Yeah, you're working hard back there. Oh, I mean, we love our nicknames. The Bull is an outstanding but nickname. But we, I mean, we've had a bit of a hiatus, but we love our documentary names. Yeah. The Bull. The That's Horny simple. Bull. The. Is that too... Wow. Did, I, did I straddle a line then? I think wow. maybe you change genres. Well, he's got to look at the photo. No, it's I get it. But that's kind of one of the features of all bulls, is okay. it not? The rump steak. No, that, that's, that's that's sending the wrong message. No, I think just the bull. Let's go back to the idea, the first idea. The no Mexican bull. Ideas. There I'm you go. So, I'm so sorry I showed the photo. <laughs> Thanks for the photo, Merxy. Uh You'll learn to, from way that. Way to keep us on track. <laughs> Isaac Del Toro, one to watch. Sam Wellsford. And what I have loved is... That power, we spoke about that rugby background. And I know it's only at a high school level, but we've seen there's a, there's a cliche in football that is, is a sort of player that other players want to play with. And I think that, that, that when that applies in cycling, and we see it from the likes of a Wout Van Aert or someone who rides every now and then pulls out just this beautiful team performance, we're seeing signs of that. What I, just, I just want to quickly point out the leg drive of this guy. Years of scrummaging, getting down low, bending the shoulders, going up against... You know, unstoppable force, mm. immovable object. Very wombat-like, is. isn't it? It's wombat-like. It is. But that power, he's got a base there that I think has been honed whilst getting beaten up on a rugby field <laughs> over many years. So good luck to him. I think it is it is outstanding. Uh, hello, Merksy. Do you know what else he has, Joel? Go on. He has a disgusting moustache and some serious ink. 
He does have some he does. meat, doesn't the he? The ink's cool. The moustache looks like a caterpillar <laughs> I saw in the park the other day. Uh, I, I, like, I, don't, I, like, yeah, I don't mind the moustache. It's not even Movember. Is that his, uh, are we working toward a nickname here, Mo Man? I don't know. I mean, for now, I think we're just the wombat. But Inky or, Bill. Inky Bill? Inky Bill. Any Aussie, any Aussie uh, like fan would, would remember that, the, the classic Bill. Blinky Bill. There I like go. that. Well, and uh, we need to get onto Baz Zempillis over in Perth. I thought you were going to say Baz Luhrmann. No. So we're going to make the movie. Could it's going to be a too. glitzy musical. Well, no, but while we're going for Joe Hindley and Ben O'Connor, yeah. glitzy, we can get Inky Bill in on the statue too. That's the really, really good shout, Kate. Uh, let's slide mm. into Baz's DMs. He's a fan of the show. He's, he's been, we've had regular correspondence on the... You, everyone who listens and watches thinks we're joking about the statue campaign. We're not. We're not. Baz, we are coming for you. We are coming for the city of Perth. We <laughs> want statues. Yeah, there we you can go. Talk to him at nationals. Yeah. 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 We'll talk, yeah. Mm, controversial. Coming up. More information on that as well. So, big shout out, Sam Wellsford. But I just want to go, uh, if, if we don't mind now, to one of the best quotes um, that I've heard. Uh, people thought I was washed up. At twenty three, yes, washed up at twenty three. Well, Whoever we're not said talking that, about Sam Wells, stick that in your jumper, because uh, slipstream Sarah, as she's handled, I believe, on Instagram, she is, is uh, certainly not washed up. Never was, probably never will be, based on her performance. Sarah Gigante, of course. Uh, have you sent her a gift, Kate? Not, not since then. No. Um, we have sent her. We sent her a gift before Christmas. Yes. Uh, so Kerry was able to wrap what we sent, not knowing what it was, and so oh, she good. did have a surprise. Um, Kerry's her mum, of course. <laughs> now we're of course talking about the incredible Sarah Gigante and her incredible win up Polunga Hill, thus taking the uh, overall victory at the Women's Tour Down Under. She's a bit of a cult legend yeah. in Aussie cycling, and I think that's because in many ways she's really human she's really approachable she's super talented but already in her young years has had an incredibly um, large amount of challenges Indeed. thrown at her and her physical and mental resilience uh, it's impre- it's it's really impressive as is that word yeah. again that word humility and i think that yeah. you know we love an underdog we love we love a battler but she's she is neither of those things but she projects herself with such humility that you just get on side with her and seeing her perform the way she has uh, and let's be let's be fair. Some again, uh, some absolute Hollywood names uh, in that women's race, of course. Well, there were because Cecily Utrup Ludwig she won the stage into Sterling. Ali yep. Wollaston, uh, New Zealand, um, who's been world champion on the track, uh, albeit as a junior, but uh, a medalist um, as a senior just last year, actually in Glasgow in the team's pursuit. And someone will be looking to see with a medal around their neck. Uh, at the Olympic Games in Paris this Indeed. year. Big field. Every stage was won um, by somebody that nobody was surprised. There were no surprises. Mm-hmm. It was like, ah, the people who we thought would win won. Got it done. Um, but I think what was potentially surprising was how well AG Insurance, Sudal Quickstep, blah, 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 say yeah. that in a hurry, uh, went. There's a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah. So if, because Ali Wollaston is with them. So they won stage one, stage three with Sarah Gigante and the overall Yep. Um, so really impressive ride from that team. In fact, I think the girls kind of broke Patty Lefebvre. I was going to say uh, it, it didn't did. go unnoticed. No, the performance. Uh, he, he's. I mean, look, he didn't use a lot of words, but he said, "Congrats, girls." <laughs> That's it. 
Yeah. Just two words. Girls. Not a lot of people love the girls bit, but we can probably uh, understand why. Merksy. Merksy. I just want to give a shout out to Anna Mears on the coverage for the way she pronounces Cecily Utrud. Ludwig. With with the roll, the little yes. top. Yeah, it is nice. It's uh, it's respectful, isn't it? It does. It does yeah. justice to it. It does. It's it's not unlike one. another yeah. commentator I heard wrapping it up saying Cecilia, uh, Cecilia. And and look, I am not. I am glass houses. I am not throwing stones about name pronunciation. Well, but, uh, my I think what I've the point I've come to in commentary is, if you can't say it right, don't say it. <laughs> No, not don't say it at all. Like, you know when somebody doesn't know how to say it when they start saying number 38, <laughs> the writer from Poland. Yeah. That's a common one. Um, the Polish names are often a little bit difficult to pronounce. But you know what? The internet is very good to help you. But remember last year, I think, one of the ladies' teams put out um, videos of them saying their own names. Yes. So there was no they doubt. Did. So yeah. clever. Pronounce, it's so clever. One. But... Mm. If you're with a number of commentators and you're all saying it differently, either all say it wrong, but yeah. the same. Oh, <laughs> mate, the absolutely. Same. Just ask Johnny Vingago. Um, yeah, so well that. done to Anna for her beautiful pronunciation. Uh, but, you know, I think that the women's race, it can go longer. That's yes. one of my observations. It's, it is. It's, 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 it's one it's and done, isn't it? It's snappy. Three yeah, yeah, days. Yeah. I, I think, and they there is talk of that. They've talked about how to extend it. And I think that that would do honour to the race. Uh, yep. The teams then stay for, for the most part, for the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race. But for the women, there's a pretty big gap. There's nearly two weeks between uh, because <clears throat> the um, the men's still down under is wedged in the middle there. So I think that the women's could go longer. Um, another big takeaway for me this year was that from the outside, it may look like some of the Aussies who we thought would really prevail mm-hmm. didn't. Um, Grace Brown... Was yeah. one. Um, Spratty did really well up Wollonga and ended up finishing fourth. Um, so close, but no cigar. Um, the Live uh, Jaco Alula ladies um, possibly weren't as uh, up in the results as we expected. But what I will say is that we talked about last week how difficult the start of the season was um, with news of Mel Hoskins. Of course. And for the female riders to the Aussies who knew her and loved her and trained with her, raced with her, it has been so exceptionally difficult. Yeah. I can tell you from being on the ground um, and, and having conversations that there is a long path to acceptance and processing mm. it and you cannot expect them to be able to perform at their absolute best amongst that. Of course not. Sometimes no. in these circumstances you get somebody who – just performs out of their skin, but then a week later they're just a mess because mm-hmm. it gets you at some time. Yeah. And I know a lot of us have not been sleeping particularly well and there's just each day more conversations trying to figure it all out. Mm. So I actually reckon MVP to all the Aussie girls who race Tour Down Under, who race Nationals, who race Cadells, who are trying their very best to honour Mel and to get on with it – but are paying paying the price for that. Yeah. So I'd that's my little shout out because I've seen yep. a few comments like, "Oh, they the Aussies were a di- bit disappointing," or, um, you know, what happened to Grace Brown? And I just kind of wanted to reach through social media and give them a donk on the head. Little donk on the head. And no, say, look, no they're, good. They're, they're, they are cyclists. They're elite athletes. They're amazing. They're also human. And th- this yep. cloud has been hovering over the sport, uh, and of course, very closely impacting. 
the Australian women. But going uh, that that point as well that this this women's race is it cannot be a curtain raiser at the Tour Down Under. No. And if we want these big names to keep coming and and to treat this as a genuine here comes the year. Let's go to Adelaide and fire up for it. Um, let's give them the canvas. Let's give them the the runway to do that moving forward. And and congrats to all of the Aussie girls who did it amid uh, yes. the, 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 the memory of Mel and obviously the passing, the timing and the, the, the funeral and all of that happening as well. And, and as you said really eloquently, still trying to puzzle out and work out exactly what um, on earth has and, gone down. And then you see these incredible moments like Sarah Gigante atop Wollonga oh. going up in the second fastest ever time. Was she on a motorbike? Yeah. Almost. Yeah, she it felt was like she was so on a superbike. And she crossed the line and there's massive flow of emotion. Her mother, Carrie, and her brother, Scott, were there. They are her absolute support team. Yeah. The embrace and the emotion from Sarah saying, they said I was washed up. People didn't believe in me. It's been a fight for me to believe in me. Yeah. That just shows the power of the sport and also the healing power of the sport. Indeed. Of being dented, being injured um, physically, psychologically, but persisting. Yeah, she she went. What was it? Nine oh three. I couldn't yeah. drive a Formula One car up there that quickly. <laughs> oh, honestly, I can, if I got up there within twenty minutes, I reckon I'd be pleased. With twenty minutes. I'm. Oh my god! I'm losing my breath even hearing that target. Twenty minutes. Yeah, that's well, outstanding. Well, giggles. Uh, Gigante is going to race Richie Port up there, I believe. So, uh, oh, we'll uh, we'll bring you coverage of that when we get it. Yes, it's been very, very, very good to see. Uh, we're loving the action in Adelaide. Keep it coming. We'll, we'll continue. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it all up in our next episode, of course. But uh, can't wait to see who takes out the men's. And the action continues. And it's, it's just good to see. It's good to see people lining the streets. It's good to see local businesses getting engaged and, 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 and really embracing this festival. When we, we were there last year and, and saw it firsthand, I just want to quickly bring back a segment, <clears throat> if you don't mind, uh, the Wheel of Misfortune. So, now the Wheel of Misfortune. Today's Wheel of Misfortune uh, isn't on the bike, rather, but communication around the bike and bikes communicating with their teams and fans communicating with one another, businesses being able to use the internet to make transactions to take advantage of the carnival like atmosphere. Uh, none of that was able to happen ahead of stage two of the men's race, of course, because our national, largest national telco, Telstra, had a massive outage in the Adelaide Hills. A massive, massive outage. Not the first outage we've seen from a telco, a bank or the like in the last That's couple awkward. of months. Luckily, they were able to get it <laughs> sorted, but it, I'm just sitting there going, for FFS... What about the timing, guys? What about the timing? Well, and people don't realise that a lot of the time when you're covering cycling in remote areas, they use, and Merckx, you can probably talk us through a little bit more, but you need phone coverage. Yeah. Um, so they have multiple SIM cards in these little devices that sit with the camera operators uh, in order to get the pictures back live. Yeah. It's not all satellite-based. Well, you've um, said... And absolutely. So, sorry to cut you off, but Merxie's spoken about like when they go into tunnels. Exactly. So it could have been very unfortunate. I mean, then maybe Phil Liggett on the coverage would have had to talk about cricket, cricket. to pad. <laughs> <laughs> he could have had Ricky Ponting on. In his red smugglers. In his red smugglers. <laughs> Bring back the red smugglers, I say. Well, Merck's, in the in the team car too, they they watch the race on the iPads. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. So it's uh, it can 
you know, really, really impacted teams' harmonics. Uh, I can confirm that riders are not allowed to take mobile phones in their pockets. Uh, and I know this because many years ago, a guy by, an American guy, Will Frischkorn, uh, he was riding for Garmin Slipstream at the time and it was his final race and he took his phone uh, with him in the race and like live tweeted from the back of the bunch. Oh, as you do. Well, it was his last pro race and he thought, ah, anyway, they poo-pooed that. Oh. They said, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, so they don't need it so that the riders can chat, but they need it for pretty much everything else. Pretty much everything else. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't fly Merxy down to help fix the problem because if anyone could have got it sorted let's be honest yeah but the problem is then we'd have to do this and that would uh it would be an interesting episode there'd be no audio there'd be no video it would just be us sitting and probably wouldn't know how to turn the lights on so in darkness talking it'd about be bikes. like one of those voicemails that um you know nana leaves that she forgets to hang <laughs> up and and so after a couple of minutes of giving the update about the flowers and the family you then hear the kitchen and you hear everything until the voicemail uh, yeah be like that gee whiz i've got a two minute and 38 second voice message i wonder what's wrong <laughs> it's like, no no it's only a 10 second voice yeah. message. all those text messages where you get where there's no punctuation or anything it's like saw bob at shop the other day martha's knee still no good kids coming over on weekend hope johnny has got his school books in time love you very much xxoo john how do i turn this off <laughs> we've all had one let's be honest so Fantastic. We love it. Let's head overseas on the Wheelhouse Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Wanted to get that in as well. Pretty proud of that. Uh, let's go to Germany because there's news out of Germany, excuse me, that Bora is getting audacious in its targeting. And I have a point to make here, but uh, basically your boy is, uh, is in the crosshairs. Who's my boy? Well, I think we all know. Uh, that Merxy is your boy, but he is. if not him, <laughs> well, then I. Yes, well, look, pizza boy. look, to be honest, if they were both linked to Bora Hans Grohe Red Bull, I'd be thrilled. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I'd support, support Merxy to do whatever he would oh, like. Oh, okay, you are team. talking about Merxy. Yeah, I am talking, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, well, he's been linked now, hasn't Strongly he, linked. in the German media mm. to Bora Hans Grohe. Stop He's not the, the only one. He's not the only one. Mm. Remco. Pizza boy himself. Pizza boy himself. Well, look, I would say Red Bull is a higher on the sponsor chart than Domino's. Pizza Hut? Or Pizza Hut. It was, I don't know. <laughs> See, it didn't have much cut through if I thought it was Domino's. I'd love to put that question to him. Next time we chat to him, which I'm sure won't well, be too far away. Well, he's a fan, remember? He's a fan. Uh, yeah, but they've been linked uh, to the team yeah. for 2025. Now, we know from the end of last season, all of these rumours and mess and, you know, from the Outdebrooks saga, people sign and then dissolve contracts and blah, blah, blah. Yes. But this, I think, has some legs because Van Aert is sponsored by Red Bull. And further to that, his coach went with Roglic, the only coach he's ever had. So this will be his first season without his only ever coach. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense too. Remco is also sponsored by Specialized. Oh. Yeah, well, he's in the, the James Bond uh, cocktail ball he is. fake photo shoot. Yeah, remember he's the one at the wedding. Yeah. Watching his daughter dance. Well, yeah, sitting there, yes. he's like, I don't even like dancing. Yeah. I'm just going to sit. Uh, but yeah, Mark Lambert's yeah. Uh, heading, heading that way as well. But can I just say to Bora, wake up. You've got Sam Welshford. No, Save hold your on. Cash. They're awake. 
They're drinking Red Bull. They're, drinking- <laughs> <laughs> They're the most Trust awake. Me, they haven't slept in days. <laughs> Maybe it's like back off the Red Bull guys. Have yeah. some sleep. No, but I mean, Wellsford, it, that would be such a beautiful team. Oh, wouldn't because it be? you would have this incredible team to support Wellsford in the sprints. You'd have this incredible um, GC team mm. as well with Roglic and Evenepoel and Jahandli and... Who writes yeah. for who, for who, for who? And then out for everything else. Well, that's where it could be, become the next Yumbo. Netflix doco. Well, oh, hopefully. Let's be honest, But yeah. the, the next Yumbo in terms of too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, that's what... And uh, I would say that Roglic would be like, hold the phone. I jumped across to avoid that. I don't want Remco here. I'm going back to ski jumping. I've had enough. <laughs> I'm who sick knows? of cycling. Definitely a documentary in that. There is. What would we call it? Um, <laughs> the Flying Slovenian? Sure. No? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a play on Bora. Is that never Oh, Bora? I know, but you, like that was yeah. on the spot. Like, if you want me to be witty, Joel, We've got a plan. give me a heads up. We've got to plan our <laughs> I know bits, you're the fair. funny man. I'm not the funny man. I'm Merxy's the funny man, aren't you, Merxy? Oh, absolutely. Bromances, uh, not just Merxy and I having a wonderful bromance. There's another one in the, the world of sicky as well. Is. Now... Machu, 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 Machu Vandapu, uh, not afraid to knock on the door and ask to borrow the dunny, but also not afraid <laughs> to share some training kilometres uh, with the world's best, with all, well, let's just say, the world's most prominent at this mm. time. Nah, let's, none other than Tade himself. Mm. Seen, caught, captured. Where there's smoke, there's fire. They're training together. See, there's a documentary, Tade and Machu. A bromance. Yeah, here it is. This just dropped like (laughs) 20 minutes ago. Here it is. Fresh. They're out riding together and the difference in frame is really quite remarkable Mm. uh, to consider that they often race up in classics, like up uh, climbs side Mm. by side. Yeah. But look at the sign over his shoulder. They're going to look out for cows. Mm. I tell you, he's a hulking, hulking young man. He is. I now, mean, did maybe. Did he play rugby in high school? No. He's just, he's very tall. He's a big frame. He's but Pogacar's not actually tiny. He's I not mean, a he's small guy. 180 centimetres. So. Look at the scale there. Yeah. Looks but it, like look, I think giant. it's really cool that they're training together yep. and they're forming some friendships. It's great. Well, I mean, look, if we're, if we're getting the kind of bromance over with Remco and Wout, mm. if they head to Bora together. Yeah. And then these are, this is our counter couple. To cycling's power couples. Yeah. We've got two yeah, just like yeah, that. That's yeah. outstanding. I'm uh, thinking like if they all frock up for the our last specialised wind tunnel, we can have like a <laughs> dance off. Although they're the well, they're the fellas, but they can wear frocks if they want. Remco doesn't want to dance, frocks, so whatever. No, I'm not dancing. Well then this. he's gonna lose some points for his team, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean Casper Asgreen's had too many beers. The bar tab took yeah, advantage of He's done. He's tab. just like, yeah. if I have to sit through this, <laughs> somebody grab me another brewski. <laughs> Big preparation happening for the Tour de France. We're talking about the Tour Down Under, we're talking about the Olympics a lot, but of course there is a couple of other minor events on the cycling calendar this year, Catherine, and this is what it's all about. Mm. Uh, we know Bora. Uh, we were talking about who who would a super team ride for if they got all of those names. We know that they want to ride for one particular guy this year, and he's the guy who looks decidedly regal when he dons the tux and poses in the wind tunnel. I speak, of course, of Primoz Roglic. Well, 
he has the full backing of his team, of Bora. Yep. So Hindley's going to uh, the tour with him um, to be his right-hand man. They're putting everything into the tour preparation. And I think from everything that Roglic has said, this is his reason for changing teams. He's, he's won everything else. Mm. He wants to win the tour. He doesn't think he can do it unless they are 100% in for him. And so Bora, Hansgrohe are 100% in. Bora the explorer. Bora, I like that. Going deep well, with their ambitions. I mean, this is, there's quite a few stories like this, actually, because um, back to Remco in the wind tunnel, it's not just in a suit that he's been sitting in the wind, wind tunnel. He's been working really hard uh, on his aero position. We talked previously about him reconning stages at the tour, uh, but now he's really dialing it. And Merksy said, oh, why wouldn't they put a photo of him in the full position? Mm. Because they had a photo of him on social media sitting up in the wind tunnel or you know up on the bars. And I tended to think that maybe they're – pulling a few little tweaks to his position that they don't necessarily... They don't want to give it away. They don't necessarily want everyone to see. Yep. They don't want to give it away. No. Yep. But it, he's also in very clear uh, Tour de France prep mode, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, now, the other one, not Tour de France, but talking of Grand Tours, is Ben O'Connor. <sighs> We're missing him at the Tour Down Under. We are. But they've announced that he'll be heading to the Giro. Fantastic. Which is really cool. Now, he's been there three times already, but never, I think... 20th was his top um, top finish. He did win a stage, though, um, stage 17 in 2020, which was the third appearance at the Giro. Yep. He then, with that promise, went on to focus on the Tour de France. And, of course, he won uh, a stage there in 2021, was fourth on GC. Big promise there. He's had a few rough years. We've all seen the documentary. Defying a sore bum. Come on, glutesy. Yep. Um, yep. Rebuilding the glutes. Do you yep. think that's maybe a doco name? Uh, yeah, How do we sure. like that one? So, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a bowl of glutes. Bowl? bowl? Where does bowl come bowl in? Bowl of fruits. Bowl, bowl of, of fruits. Oh, I see. Play on words. I like that. Play on words, but no relevance whatsoever <laughs> to the, the particular muscle right. group. Look, yeah. we will train as hard for the naming as he is <laughs> for the Giro. No, but I think it's exciting because Aussies just really want to see him back at his best. And the Giro shouldn't be seen as the race with less pressure. I mean, Pogac is going to be there. It's going to be a massive. It's, it's a great Huge. Um, course. And for the sprinters, it's a great course as well. So Sam Wellsford will be headed there. But it gives, I think, the fans as well as Ben O'Connor a really feel-good uh, leading into a big season. It's fantastic. It's not all about the tour. Like if it's so often in the season, it's all about the Tour de France. It's yeah. not all about the Tour de France. It's way too much I mean, that's exciting on. too, but... It, it's look sure no of course it's it's awesome it's awesome if you can help us out with some doco names please please oh, do yes on, please on the do socials because yes. um, I, I I just want to land on the right one for glutesy mm. yeah I agree anyway mm. bronzed no that's <laughs> not it uh, anyway we'll keep working on that some good news mm. as well some some recognition some beautiful recognition for some uh, absolute Australian trailblazers uh, this week I think we've had four inductees. Into the Hall of Fame. Correct. Uh, we're going to spotlight two of them on the Wheelhouse podcast. Uh, Liz Heppel and Donna Ray both getting into that HOF, which is, a, 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 look, let's just say a pretty decent hat tip to a career well done. It is, yeah. D- look, Donna Ray Selinski, I have a lot to do with her these days because she works for Oz Cycling. Um, she's had various roles 
kind of growing through the organisation uh, in athlete development. She's been to Europe a lot with the young developing women's team, does a lot in selection, esports. She's kind of done it all. Uh, but she is incredibly valuable part of the Australian system. And we don't have a lot of female coaches. So that's pretty incredible. But what she did on the bike, she was just an absolute trailblazer uh, in a period in women's cycling that there wasn't a lot of recognition. Yep. There certainly wasn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, there was barely Olympic Games uh, for them. You know, that didn't start nearly on par uh, with the men. And we talked about that uh, last week with Heather Kelson, yes. um, Loretta Hansen's mum, who was the national champion in 1980 and then uh, stepped back from the sport because there were just no opportunities for her. Um, so both Donna Ray and Liz Heppel were those trailblazers and certainly – it was their work and their adventures overseas and their battles that allowed me to have such Absolutely. a good career. Yeah. Uh, and so personally, I just have so much respect and admiration um, for what they have both achieved. And And Liz Heppel has a really similar story on the bike. She just got some incredible firsts, um, including... Um, you know, a podium at the Women's Tour de France. First Australian, any any gender, yep. to get on the podium at the TDA. At the Tour de France. So, Not bad. And that's bef- that was the old Tour de France before it had a big hiatus, but it was a real race then. They actually yep. raced on the morning of the men's race um, and similar distances. So that was pretty incredible. But she's also had an incredible career uh, in administration and education in the sports sector uh, afterwards and continues to... Uh, a lot in athlete welfare space too and advocating um, for for athletes. So wonderfully well-deserved, both of them. So not just trailblazers, but uh, mentors, guardians, And continued. And they're really good examples of people who we haven't lost through the sport, you know, who have really found their way to continue to contribute. And I love that. Fun fact on Liz too, not just a just killing it on the bike but killing it on the jog and in the in the ocean as well she won the first ever noosa triathlon anyone who's ever been to witness a noosa triathlon knows that that's a pretty difficult thing to do so that was i believe 1983 and then a couple of years later you know what i'm not done yet i'm going to get on the podium at the tour blaze the trail not just not just for for young girls and women coming through the sport but uh Men as well. First Aussie. There you go. There's your benchmark. Good luck to you all. Boom. Yeah. Fantastic. Happy to see them both in the Hall of Fame. When are they coming on, Merksy? Sorry, I'm just just on Instagram here. Yeah, we'll get them on. We'll have a chat. Sure. Instagram. Oh, I'm looking at Pogacha's Insta. See if he's put up any more pictures. Any more bro pictures up against his gigantic best mate. Well, listen, it's been a big week on the wheelhouse. Yes. If I may, Joel. You may. Can Actually, I, hang on. What? <laughs> can I take us out just with some more beautiful I'd love words that. from Johnny Long? I, I Look, I all I want to say is like, share, subscribe, tell everyone you know. And if you have any questions as to why, Kate is now going to prove why it's a good idea. <laughs> the name is Alaphilippe. Julian Alaphilippe. As the new 00 Sept takes on his first task as a secret agent, avenging his cousin Frank's sacking by creeping into Patrick Lefebvre's house before he gets home in the evening and scaring the bejesus out of him by appearing from behind the curtain as his manager sits down to quaff a large glass of red wine after another long day of using the media as a stick with which to beat his riders. 
Keep going. Lorena Vibes looks like Galadriel out of Lord of the Rings. And Casper Asgreen, he's at the same wedding as Remco of Ennepool, but he's drunk 17 more beers. Da, 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 da. <laughs> he's drunk 17 more beers. <laughs> I love how it goes so from this go. elegant, beautiful, stylish to he's been punching beers all night. Yes. Straight backs, slightly upturned noses. This is fantastic. They're Johnny awesome. Long, you are my MVP of the week. Sam Wellsford, you're pretty good. Isaac Del Toro, wow. Sarah Gigante, love your work. But Johnny Long for the yeah. win. And it's given me an excuse to bring out a pretty poor audio version of the James Bond theme. Merksy, you'll have to check the rights on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, Merksy. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Like, share, subscribe. Tell everyone you know. It's the Wheelhouse Podcast. We'll be back to do it all again. <laughs> you too drunk? <laughs> Maybe high. I think you might be drunk. 